boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights, Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Is Fright Fights. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to this very special Halloween episode of Fright Bites Podcast. We're doing something a little fun today. Um, we're actually going to be doing a commentary for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. So this is the one right after the third one, obviously, that had nothing to do with Michael Myers. And this is his big return. I'm very excited about this. What do you think about this one, Chris? We've both seen it, obviously. Yeah, this was one of my favorite ones of the film of the of the franchise. I really like this movie. And this one is one that I caught on Monster Vision all the time as a kid. Yeah. Um, but th- the reason we're doing this commentary, though, is because we can't really record a full episode for the podcast right now because, I mean, October is the busiest time of the year for us. Um, I am filled every day with doing a 31 horror movies in 31 days challenge. And it, on top of working full time and a family and, and everything, it's it takes its toll on me. Mm. Um, I know for you guys as well, you guys got a lot of stuff planned in this during this month, as pretty much any horror fan does this throughout this oh, yeah. month. October is hectic for sure. Yeah, but so yeah, I'm really looking is, forward um, to checking this out. I haven't haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, and I love this one. Um, this was actually um, one that was on my list. I wanted to revisit because I just remember being extremely. It feels very fall i'm excited to like kind of see how that kind of like loops back in because i i absolutely love film set that fill fall and not just like you know called halloween but it doesn't feel halloweeny and i know a lot of them actually do a very good job of it even back to the very first john carpenter halloween it felt very fall but there was something very nostalgic about this one that kind of really works for me you know what i mean yeah yeah, I think it has to do, a, for me at least, like I said, I watched it a lot on Monster Vision. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's because like anytime I would tune into Monster Vision, the Halloween 4 happened to be the one that was playing. And it always was the one that kind of stuck with me more than any other Halloween film. Well, sweet. So how this will work, um, I'm excited to revisit it too. What we'll do um, is we're actually, if you wanted to tune in at home and watch along with us, it'll still be fun either way, but um, we'll go to do a countdown from like five. And when we hit one, we'll go and hit the play button and get started on it. And we'll just chat through it, talk about some of our favorite moments and hopefully relive that magic of kind of fall that Halloween's known for. So that's, that's going to be awesome. You ready, Chris? Yeah, I'm ready. I am so ready for this. Here, here we go. And five, four. Three, two, one, and play.
and we are hit right off with a nice little October 30th, 1988. And I think this is what really sets that fall tone you were talking about is it really starts off just showing the neighborhood and like the Halloween decorations and the falling of the leaves and everything. And that's what really makes it feel like Halloween time. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that this one does a really good job of really feeling like the Midwest too. Um, Some of the other Halloween films doesn't feel necessarily like it's super Midwestern, which is the point of Halloween, but this one does feel kind of like that small sleepy town kind of vibe and everything about it just screams like Halloween in the Midwest, which is exactly what you want. We're greeted to you right off with a bunch of like abandoned areas of just dead trees, jack-o'-lanterns, um, you know, people decking out their household areas with Halloween stuff, very farmer. So it does feel kind of like that sleepy town kind of vibe, which is something that Halloween, you know, you kind of want that feeling. I mean, when you think Halloween, no matter where you're from, I feel like you think immediately to that kind of like Midwestern kind of town. I feel like the killer could have been a a killer scarecrow and it would have fit perfect with the tone of this film. (laughs) The unmasked Michael Myers. It's actually just a scarecrow. (laughs) Yeah. Now this one was, uh, was returned for Michael Myers because of the failure of Halloween three and Halloween 3 didn't do well at the box office. It was critically dis- disregarded from, you know, a good movie. And everybody just wanted to see Michael Myers. So they finally decided to be like, hey, we got to do something. Michael mm-hmm. is something that we can put in a movie and make money off of it. Um, let's do Return to Michael Myers. I mean, just such an iconic character. Those first two movies were unmatched for sure. And... The third movie I know has a place in a lot of people's heart nowadays. I love the third movie, um, but I mean, I'm definitely a huge fan of the fourth movie just because of how the vibe is. It feels completely different than the first two of my opinion. Patient pickup and transfer to Smith's Grove. You're late. And they're always transferring. I'm like Michael Myers is always going to transfer. There's always an issue where they need to get rid of him or something. So this film is no exception to that. Yeah, it, it's weird because in the first movie he escapes from Smith from Smith's Grove Sanatorium, and then um, uh, once you know he goes through part two or whatever, he gets blown up, and then he goes back. They send him back to Smith's Grove Sanatorium. Like, why would they take him back to the same place he already escaped from? Exactly. And, you know, at that point, if you're going to take him back to the same place, why don't they have him under such surveillance where he can get loose? But they never learn their lesson, even in the later films, and he continually escapes some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And, Tyler, do me a favor. Turn your volume down a little bit on your movie. I can hear the echo of it. Oh, yeah. Is that better? Sorry, guys. <laughs> I can still hear it, but I don't, I don't know why. It's a little off, but... Um, yeah, I turned it down a little bit more. Hopefully that hopefully that isn't too bad on your guys' ears. Yeah, but yeah, like like you were saying, why do they have to transfer him out on Halloween night? Like, wouldn't that be the time they want to lock him up? Exactly. Yeah, they're like, well, you know, all these killings and all this the spree happens right around Halloween in the same area. So let's take him back to that exact same sanatorium on that night. Let him go and then forget about him, and let's just transfer him while we're at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I do love this scene. It does feel very 
this is extremely it has an 80s-esque quality to this that I really love. It almost feels very reminiscent of the cinematography of like a Nightmare on Elm Street would be in a weird way. So they're definitely nailing down their format. They're nailing down, you know, how this the rules of this. Yeah. So how many years later is this movie set from the first Halloween movie? Because Halloween 1 and 2 take place on the same night, which would have been 1978, right? Right. And this one talks about when what was that date again? It was uh, October of 1988. So it'd be about 10 so, years. So it's supposed is it literally supposed to be 10 years? So 10 years from the day that he he got blown up in the hospital, he still has bandages over his head from the burns. Yeah, I never thought about that. It has been 10 years. Or maybe he's just constantly having to be bandaged. Now, they, they just don't want to see him, you know. You can't see the face. Or die. Yeah, they got to figure out a way to, because he can't have the mask on like while he's laying in the hospital bed. You know, that would be, <laughs> be too ridiculous. Right. And I love how that music kicks in. So just as it's being transferred, we see music kick in. We see them going on a very stormy October 30th night. I've always thought that uh, the mask on the front cover of the VHS and the DVD and stuff always looked completely different from the mask we actually got in the movie. Eventually. Yeah. Right now, he's pretty much looking like a mummy. Man, Smith Grove really changed his entrance from the first movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think ever... that is. Is this one um, shot in a different location? I don't think I ever looked uh, or realized that this one took place at Smith Grove's for the opening scene. I just thought it was like another hospital. And she's too young to be his legal ward. I did too, because I think well, that's something that's very easy to kind of like skip over because it's run at the very beginning and you just see the transfer, which is kind of, oh, there he goes. You just see the transfer, which is just kind of like a, a passive thing to get him out of there. Yeah, and I think this one was the first Halloween movie that really tried to capitalize on the Friday the 13th franchise because the deaths in this movie are like way over the top. They're really violent and they're really gory. For instance, mm -hmm. you just saw him stick his thumb through the guy's forehead and bash his, bash his head up against the back of the ambulance. And it just, it's very reminiscent of a Friday the 13th film. And this came at what the, the peak of the Friday the 13th movies, too, when the very last one came out in like 89. This one came out in what, 88? So, yeah. Well, they always say that um, the first Halloween film kind of struck the slasher genre into high gear. And we have tons of slashers after that now. And it kind of was ushered in by Halloween and the success and people talking about it so much. So we have a series that kind of started it all go away for, you know, what, eight or nine years easily before it's talked about again. And well, I mean, we have the third one, but that's not necessarily a slasher. Um, but by that point, we had already had how many slasher movies come out after Halloween. So it's just kind of like they invented the slasher, they perfected it, and then they let it go. Let's go back to bed. It was successful, and then 
a decade later, they're trying to come back into it. So obviously they have to almost catch up to their own genre they created, subgenre, you know what I mean? Danielle Harris. This was uh, one of her first theatrical, like her first film roles, I believe. She'd only done television roles up until this point. Yes. Um, this is this is definitely her breakthrough role. Um, this Halloween four, I think. Um, that's what most people knew her from is the first couple Halloween films that she was in. This scene always made me mad as a kid because I remember it being you know, it's the first time you see Michael Myers really like in a, in his full mask and everything, but it's like a fake out scene because it's like you. It doesn't really tell you whether it's a dream or not. It doesn't tell you if it's like in her head. It's just really kind of confusing, if you ask me. Yeah, and it also, I mean, like obviously, like whenever she starts pulling out photos of Laurie Strode, you're like, huh? How are how are we connecting the dots here? Don't they say something along the lines of like Jamie Lee Curtis? Well, uh, Laurie Strode was killed in a car wreck or something like that like i can't remember yeah i think it was something like that um but that kind of adds to this like the the idea of like you know every time that there's a return of halloween it seems like they're constantly kind of like piecing together the story so it kind of adds to that mystery of what exactly is going on because there's so many different timelines and this one's no exception to, to the laurie strode story it would have been funny if they would have made this movie where the Jamie character wouldn't have known about Michael Myers and she was having like dreams or being scared of the boogeyman because of other horror films. So like she has like this dream like version of like Jason coming after her. That's hilarious. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's Michael at the end of it. Michael versus Jason. It'd be a good way to tie it in. Yeah. But yeah, this was actually, even though it's kind of a, a fake out scene and everything, this was kind of an intense, scary moment, like a legit scary moment of him just appearing and like setting up from behind the bed. Well, yeah, and it has that kind of like kinder trauma as well, because just like a, a little girl in her room. So it's just kind of that curiosity kind of the peaks. But also, I think we have to, to say something about the mask that appears in the scene, because... It definitely looks different than the first two masks. This is the first time they kind of created a brand new mask from scratch, and it looks completely different. I mean, I, whenever I was a kid, I was always very confused. I'm like, why does the mask always look different every movie? See, I don't think it looks that bad. It's not a bad looking mask. It's just you can tell they're different. Yeah, I never really understood the whole dream thing because she she wasn't really dreaming. Yeah. Well, they thought I think that they're just kind of like dismissing it as parents. So, like you know, oh, you just had a bad dream. So Nick Castle played Michael in Halloween, and Dick Warlock played him in Halloween Two. And so who played who played Michael in this one? I can't remember. 
Um, let me double check that. I, th- I, I, and I, in Halloween, apparently they had. There's theories out there to how many um, Michael Myers is they actually had, which I think is interesting, and it makes me wonder like, is there like homages throughout these the films like Halloween four or five, so on and so forth? Are there different people wearing this the Michael Myers mask? Yes. Boinker for dog. What is your favorite looking mask? Because I, I think I got to go with the one from part two. I think Halloween two, Michael, is the best mask in the entire franchise. Um, real quick, it's Tom Morgan and George Wilbur, which um, George Wilbur both played the the shape in this one. Okay. Um, my favorite looking mask. That's tough. I, I mean, the original one I think is iconic, just because that was the very first one, and it was such an interesting story behind it. Um, honestly, the new, like the new trilogy of masks, those were great masks. But um, yeah, I think that the reason I like the first mask probably the best is just because that interesting kind of like you know that that became an iconic mask for over ten movies at this point and it was such a simple idea of just going to you know a costume shop and getting a kirk mask and you know cutting the eyes out and just kind of piecing it together and it's become an icon of horror at this point so it's kind of hard not i mean it's cliche to say but at the end of the day that's such a unique story that you can't really dismiss it as like you know that that's my favorite mask for that reason yeah well something else this just came to mind I saw this earlier today and this kind of fits right in with this movie. So in the seventies, Donald Pleasance played in a movie that was, it was, a, uh, a, I think it was like a 007 James Bond movie mm-hmm. and he plays a Bond villain. And the same villain is spoofed in the Austin Powers movies from Dr. Evil. And so Donald Pleasance is being spoofed in that. Austin Powers is played by a character by or is played by Mike Myers. No way. I mean, it's kind of put. I think that's kind of funny. Like the so he's being spoofed in a movie yeah. where the main character is named or is uh, played by an actor Mike Myers, and I just thought it was kind of funny. I saw that today. Oh People wait, no, were, I just made the connection. I was like, I was like watching this and listening to you both. Yeah, that is funny. There's and Loomis. There he is. Loomis. Loomis with his burned face, which is not very well burned after being exploded in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think at the end of the second one, everybody is kind of shocked that the guy actually, you know, made it. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty apparent that he's not, he doesn't make it. Yeah. Is it is it this one or is it part five where where Loomis is like angry the entire time and he's just like, my God. Oh, part Can five. <laughs> Isn't that the one with the gas station where he's like, he's like, he like runs right to him, like he's like a very confrontational Michael. I think that's this one. Oh, is is that one coming up? In this one? Yeah, because I think it's where, um, because Michael has the bandages on right now, and he goes and he gets the outfit from, like a, um, it's not a gas. Well, it's kind of like a gas station, but it's also like a like a car repair shop yeah and he gets like the overalls and stuff from him and that this is the one that has the picture of uh, abraham lincoln in the background that (laughs) it's like right over top of dr loomis's head 
it, it really the fourth. Honestly, the fourth and the fifth movie, Doctor Loomis is just very confrontational, Michael. And it's weird because he's like, I understand, Michael. He almost has this kind of like soft spot for him. But at the end of the day, he's like, this man is pure evil. I will kill him at all cost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember the scene. I was getting the two confused. This was another reason why I thought the uh, the movie was more violent is because they show the aftermath of like the car wreck and like it to me it just seems much more violent just to see uh, the incident afterwards than just to see an initial like attack and then cut away and never hear from it again. Like if you came across that car wreck right there, you would think that something horrendous happened, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. It's over. Leave it alone. And I like how pretty much at the end of the day, they're always like calling on Loomis to to kind of like come here and figure this out for them. And they just like let him cross the police line and everything. Even though he's not an actual cop, he's more of just like, you know, a medical professional in this. He almost becomes a detective. It's like, I don't think they let him cross a line. I think he just forces himself over. They don't feel like <laughs> dealing with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a dick, but he's fun. Yeah, they're like they like always like look at him like they'll say something to him and he's just like I know Michael kind of thing. I like how he just looked at the end the empty ambulance and was like, he's gone. Well, no shit, Doctor Loomis. We yeah. <laughs> told you that. We have to find him now. But the funny thing is, is he always finds him alone. He always he just gets in the car and finds him. You're talking about him as if he were a human being. And that's the interesting thing. He just quoted, um, you're still thinking of Michael as a human being, but that part of him died years ago. And I feel like in the very first film, it's not made extremely clear that that's what they're trying to go for. I mean, obviously they call it the shape um, as a force of evil, and that's what he's meant to be. But as this progresses on, it's really interesting because I feel like the audience is told more that Michael is inhuman, right? And they consistently, in the sixth movie, they try to kind of answer that a little bit. But it's like one of those things where we see Michael as just like a serial killer and that's what makes it terrifying. But honestly, he's almost supernatural. And I think the fourth movie is the first one that came out and said like, hey, yeah, absolutely, he's a force of evil at this point. Yeah, just an essence of evil that's presented in a in a person's body right so it kind of almost gives a weird um like alternate flair to the, what the first one was doing and here's the scene we were talking about with the um like little mechanic convenience store on the side yeah you know, he's still still gas he's, just... <laughs> he's like hey hello all right i'll do it myself i just steal some <laughs> gasoline <laughs> Essentially, we're saying that Loomis just consistently um, has a lot of petty crimes he does throughout the series. Like, doesn't he, like, doesn't he just shoot a gun and, like, explode the entire gas station up or something? Doesn't it catch fire or something like that? Oh, yeah, there is an explosion. I think I thought that was, I think that, well, we'll see here for sure, but I think Michael does something and he realizes Michael's in there and... 
you know how good of a driver Michael is to begin with. So I think <laughs> he does this thing where he like tries to blow it up or like shoot, like he shoots like gunpowder or something to blow it up. And Michael like flies out of it in a car or something. I wonder if he had to practice that that walk. Oh no! <laughs> Here's that picture of like Abraham Lincoln everywhere. Like <laughs> it's just funny that there's like eight pictures of Abraham Lincoln on the wall. Yeah. They're like, let's kind of allude to kind of our history, and they're like, well, all I can think of is Abraham Lincoln. Let's just put a bunch of those up. Also, something that's really interesting is there are multiple people here and they're all dead, but no one has seemed to figure out what's going on until Loomis gets there. And just so happens when Loomis arrives, it's the guy that he's been looking for, Michael, all along. So I think that's kind of funny, too. And there he is. I really think that Donald Pleasant's character here is like the main thing about this movie that everybody loves, or at least like the franchise itself. Like, yeah, Michael's awesome and everything is to root for, you know, the villain. But I mean, I really like watch the movies for the character of Do Dr. Loomis. I mean, yeah, Dr. Loomis is certainly one of the major parts of this. I mean, even more, I think he has more screen time than Laurie. And he can have more screen time than Michael himself. And I'm pretty sure, isn't he billed at the the top a lot? Um, and in several yeah. instruments. So I think, for sure it's, <laughs> I think for sure it's like one of those things where he kind of is the star. And then here comes the explosion, I think. Yeah. Still kind of unclear how that explosion happened. Yeah, I tried to shoot him six times. There she goes. Now, if you were a detective, wouldn't you think that like Loomis would be the main suspect in the situation? Honestly, whenever Loomis is around, a lot of times like shit hits the fan. So it's just like it, maybe he should be sub like suspect that he's Michael at this point. Maybe Michael's just misunderstood and it's actually Loomis. That would be an interesting storyline to explore. Jamie's uncle's a boogeyman. Yeah, redo the scene from the first movie. And kind of here's what I'm alluding to as well when I was talking about how it felt very Midwestern Halloween. They all have their Halloween costumes on. You can tell it's very 80s-esque. It feels very small town. What age did you stop trick-or-treating? 
You know, I, I just to be honest with you, I always liked more. I was more of like the kid that would like handing out candy and like scaring people. So I would trick or treat every single year, probably up until like age like 10 or 11. But I was excited to kind of get too old to be trick or treating because I wanted to stay home and dress up and hand out candy. And I know it sounds weird, but I remember as a kid, I would put on this like zombie style, like full resilient. Like I had like the, the pants, the whole suit. And I would, my mom would stuff me with like some like, like kinds of like stuffing or foam or something. And I would lay there like lifeless next to her as she handed out candy and I remember multiple times I would just pretend to be like a little dummy that stuff there is like a like a prop and scare the crap out of so many different kids I actually scared the crap out of like some grandmas too which was fun so that's yeah. always been kind of in my blood to like not necessarily even trick-or-treat but just scare people I love that yeah I used to do a bunch of haunted houses and stuff as a teenager like actually work in them but I remember specifically I don't know if this was my my first year not trick-or-treating, but I, I was around probably 13 or 14. It was the year, it was 2001, so it was right after September 11th. Um, I, I remember specifically trying to hand out candy at my grandparents' house, and my cousin made some horrible joke about we have to we had to stop handing out candy because something happened locally and we they were sending everybody back home and you had to like go to your house and everything like that and i got really scared and i went and ran to my mom and my, my mom was like what are you talking about and my cousin jumped out from somewhere and was like oh i got you <laughs> that's always so fun though i love it yeah you don't scare me But, you know, something I struggle with now that I've gotten older is I think I'm desensitizing myself to the point like where I remember Halloween for me, like watching Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, 4, all, all, honestly, all of them. I can't think of one that didn't scare me as a kid to some degree. And I think it was like the thrill of like wondering if it was real and wondering what if this was me, like did it happen to me. But now as an adult, as I I still have nostalgia for him, no doubt. But I have such a hard time finding something that truly scares me, you know? Oh, yeah. I have I was never scared as a kid of horror movies uh, in general. There might have been like one or two that, that I was scared by, but I don't really remember. Uh, it was mainly as an adult, I find, I'll find one and that's, that's really scary. But usually it's like a ghost movie of some sort. Like slashers don't scare me. Any, nothing scares me except for ghost films for some reason. Well, yeah, I think there's something very um, atmospheric about ghost films a lot of times, too. It kind of has that a completely different vibe because it takes it from something that's real to, like, supernatural, which is interesting. I also think, too, it's where everybody's probably had their own little, like, ghost encounter of some sort, you know? And so you can relate to it, and it's something that you can usually you're alone when you have some type of ghost experience. So the fact that, you know, you watch a movie and something like that could happen to you is the scary part. For sure. But yeah, slashers never scared me. I was always intrigued by just how creative the death scenes were and how interesting the character killer was. Well, see, at the time I was watching Halloween 4... And nudity. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, at the time I was watching Halloween 4 a lot as a kid, I remember I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street. And that was the one that always would get me. You know, I would watch I watch Halloween if I wanted to feel very, like, kind of, like, spooked out or if I wanted to, like, kind of get the atmosphere of, like, spooky Halloween. But Nightmare on Elm Street, there was something about it that was, like, Freddy got funny later on. Like, he, he cracked some jokes and that was fun to watch. But those earlier films especially had that very weird kind of like you can never avoid sleeping. You know what I mean? But it kind of relates to this because it's very, you know, this is right in the middle of October. This is October 31st. We're at the, the, um, oh, sorry. Oh, there goes my mouse. I do love that scene. I was, I was always wondering, too, if this was like a little legit scene or not, if it was just another dream or vision Almost or whatever like she's that having she visions. had. Yeah. And here's my interpretation of that. I feel like she is seeing him. and I feel like she's not dreaming, but the adults are kind of dismissing him. And that's something to do with, I think, kinder trauma again. The adults don't believe you, but it's real to you. You know what I mean? Oh, I forgot about this scene. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so pathetic with the dirt all over his face. That old man can't walk hardly. Thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> Listen, he might as well just give up. He's like very joyful. Yes, I finally got a ride. I always thought it was weird that this scene was in slow motion, too. That, that little quick shot there. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah. They just wanted to make it very dreamy. How long was that car parked there for that scene? There was like a bunch of oil on the road behind it. <laughs> Get in here, old man. Amen. It kind of looks like the Jeepers, Creep- Jeepers Creepers car. It kind of does. <laughs> okay, he just looks at his hand. <laughs> Not today. They should have had this character come back at the end of the movie and like be the hero of the film. Honestly, I would go for that. Like, could you imagine, like, Jamie being getting ready to get killed by Michael and him showing up and, like, hitting Michael in the head with a shovel and, like, grabbing the girl? Because he reminds me of, like, the, the old man from, like, Home Alone that carries the shovel around. Yeah. And just takes takes Jamie and is like, come here. Come with me, little girl. I'll save you. And then turns out he's Michael Myers. Well, he could take he could take her away, try to save her, and then it would be sad because he's the hero and you like him, and then he gets killed by Michael at the end of it. You know something I'm waiting for at this point is when we have multiple Michael Myers, we have like five or six different ones. Well, that happens in this movie. That is true, yeah. 
I'll always He's remember. More... I always remember that scene though because it was a trivia question whenever I was playing Halloween trivia a couple of years ago. I was like, "What is the license plate saying in that scene?" And I always will remember now. It's Amen. This is something too. Is they don't do this nowadays, but trick or treating is always at nighttime back in the eighties and nineties. And I, they don't have trick or treat at nighttime anymore. Trick or treating is always at like five or six o'clock in the day, and it's always bright outside. And then it ends when it starts to get dark. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that was the thing. I wonder if it was just they're doing that for atmosphere. If it actually was at night. I remember as a kid, they always kind of did it um, during the day. It would start getting dark and it would end. So I don't know if it was just an atmosphere thing or maybe that did change because a lot of things in the 80s from there to now has changed a lot. Yeah, I I remember I remember in the 90s, uh, throughout the 90s, it was at least, I mean, my memory could be off a, a little bit, but I remember trick-or-treating at, at nighttime uh, and enjoying that and I don't remember it ever being in the daytime. I mean, it makes it more fun for sure. I like how they had the reference of the first movie with her wearing that clown costume. Yeah, I think it further kind of validates the fact that she is connected to Michael directly. I always like how, too, is the way the Halloween films go is it takes place in, you know, the suburban area, but it's all like middle to upper class. So, like, all the houses are kind of nice houses and Besides Michael's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, that, that was actually a pretty nice house before, you know, it all went down. There's Michael. Little baby Michael. Oh, I need to see the character act. Then you'll have to travel about 3,000 miles south of here. <laughs> Back retired in 81. From Petersburg. Oh, who's the new sheriff? I am. Ben Meeker. Oh, Sheriff Meeker. My name Thomas is. Thomas oh, is again. There he is. He's trying to meddle. And again, I think that, that it would be kind of interesting if Loomis would just join the police force at this point. Escaped from Richmond. He's here in Haddonfield. I always liked this sheriff for some reason. I thought he was a really good sheriff. Like, he's real strict. I don't know why I'm thinking about the sheriff being strict, whatever. <laughs> well, didn't the reason we were talking, like, we were talking earlier if Donald Pleasance had practiced a lot for like his limp or his role. And I can't remember where I read this. I might be misremembering it. So don't quote me, but I feel like I've read somewhere very vividly. I remember reading this that Donald Pleasance didn't really prepare for his role. At all, he would just like go there and pretty much just go right into it. He wouldn't have much like, you know, prep time or a lot of times like he would like not even read the script. Like he would just go straight in and go into the character. 
And if that's true and it really was like that, that's kind of interesting because he does a really good job. Like, honestly, his character is a little bit over the top, but I think that kind of makes it more fun, you know? I don't, I don't know if you just heard that or not, but you said, I don't know if that's true. And <laughs> Dr. Loomis said, it's true, Sheriff. <laughs> I like that they created their own town with it. Like, you know, Haddonfield is its own essence. It, it, when you think of Haddonfield, you know, it's instantly Halloween and Michael Myers. And I'm curious if they're going to do something with that related to the news with the Halloween franchise being like a TV series by Miramax. Oh, I, I 100% think that would be the case. Because if you're making a, a long-form television series, well, let's say like 8, 10, 12 episodes... At the end of the day, it's going to have to focus strongly on Hattonfield. I could see it even being called like Halloween colon, you know, return to Hattonfield or something. What I'd really like to see him do is the show would be called Haddonfield. And you would have it be like the Halloween three where the town itself has like a bad presence or a bad evil that lurks over the town mm. or you know, even if they had like the guy that runs the factory where the masks and everything are, are created to kill all the families and kids and one of the masks just happens to be a Michael Myers mask you know so it'd be like focus point would be the Halloween 3 story but then each episode wouldn't be like just that it would be like episode 2 would focus on the character of Michael Myers puts them you know puts the mask on and that's how he became Michael Myers and then episode three back to like another mask they've created with a different story and how that person's evil now because of the mask that they put on. And it would, but ultimately Michael would be the main focal point. Like that'd be kind of cool. Well, yeah, that'd be fun. And I mean, that's, that's basically the plot of a Stephen King book waiting to happen. And the, I mean, a lot of different series that focuses on longer form content or books, it is more to do with the town than it is the main character. So I could definitely see, Halloween going that direction 100%. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if what you just said comes like, you know, very close to what the television series is. Pops to do it by the book. Yeah, that didn't age well. <laughs> Always in Halloween movies, and I kind of respect it because, you know, it makes it more atmospheric, but they always light the jack-o'-lanterns outside, and I have to admit, I've never truly seen, like, a lit jack-o'-lantern just being left outside, all right? <laughs> I don't think I have either. I mean, like, we have that, um, where we live, we do have that Autumn Fest where they have the pumpkin house, and they light them there, but they're fake lights, they're more like synchronized music lights. I've never seen like a true like lit jack-o'-lantern just sitting there. With like a real candle and not the fake little battery operated lights or anything. Yeah. And unsupervised at that. <clears throat> Honestly, think... if Michael wanted to destroy the town, he could just knock over the candle. <laughs> Catch everybody's house on fire. There we go. Halloween 13. I think this movie is the reason that Halloween Kills sucks so bad. 
Because they took the whole idea of the town going for like a lynch mob and finding Michael Myers and they like exaggerated the whole thing in Halloween Kills and made it annoying. Yeah, and that was that was very redundant by the end. I mean, how many times can we say evil dies tonight? I don't even want to think about it. Like, It just pisses me off when I hear that quote now. I kind of just wish in this movie they would have said it one time now. <laughs> no bat allowed? Is that what that sign said? I didn't see it. This is another shot from the original Halloween as well, where they go to Michael Myers' house. They see the dead dog. The rock mm -hmm. is thrown through the window. They're looking at papers, reading something. Stay here in case the family gets back. I'm right here, Ben. Look sharp, you understand? No problem. Also, I have to, to note that Halloween has a lot to do with power grids, too. There's I was getting ready to say, movies. I was going to say, there's a shot just like this in Halloween 6 with the, like, the Transformers and everything. Yeah, and Halloween Kills, I think, um, has a big shot. There's like three or four movies that has a major shot at a power grid. Oh, good old Bucky getting ready to die. <laughs> that actually might be one of the funniest kills this movie has Michael just picks up Bucky and throws him yeah I, I you can clearly tell that it was a dummy that he was picking up and throwing and he's just like see you wonder if he had this planned if he was like well now my next step is to go to the power grid and throw somebody into the power grid yeah he has this like kind of like whole plan in his like head it's like well <laughs> checklist <laughs> yeah step one find the car step two <laughs> always had 10 years to think about this I like how Jamie and Rachel character like walk through the neighborhood now and there's like nobody outside, like not a single soul walking around the neighborhood, but those two. Yeah, I love that. I love how it doesn't matter how loud they are. No one addresses it. They're just all asleep in their house. Have you ever walked around a neighborhood like late at night when there's nobody out? A few times. It's very, very creepy. And there she is. 
this is really where Jamie, uh, well, uh, Daniel Harris became like a scream queen is because she screams so much in this movie. Oh, I remember. You can never forget it. And once you see it once. Jamie? But honestly, for her age, she kind of pulls off the, the role pretty well. I think they did a good job with casting. I wonder if they named her character Jamie because of Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, you think that they like want to like we're trying to like kind of like replace the character Jamie Lee Curtis with this character named Jamie? They were like, well, we can kind of an homage to Jamie Lee Curtis, like um, character that way. Which I mean, that is a good point. They may have. I could see that. But you can watch this movie, Chris, and kind of look, and it kind of looks like every town. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've seen these houses before. It does. It looks like the houses that were on my street when I was a kid growing up. And I think that that was done. I mean, I, I really, truly think it was purposeful. I don't think that I think they were very meticulous in selecting the filming locations. I think they very clearly wanted to. To have that look of of falling the Midwest, and I've seen it in interviews where they talk about how meticulous they own. looked, even when they were in Pasadena filming the original Halloween, they were like, we were driving around trying to find the Midwest, you know, in, in Pasadena. So there's always been a very big thing about Halloween to try to find that. I wonder if they use the same masks for this scene, or if they each one of these people have different looking masks. Mm. No, they, look, they all kind of look the same. I think, yeah, I think. I mean, this was a custom mask for this one, so I feel like they use like a mold. They may have just they may have like very slight variation, but I think that generally they're struck to be about the same. Oh, damn it. There's a curfew. I catch your ass, it'll be a weekend in jail. You're all right, Doc. Come on, we'll get to the station. We'll get these kids safe. I like how Donald Pleasant and the sheriff doesn't even I always call him Donald Pleasant. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Loomis and the sheriff doesn't even tell them what's going on. They're just like, hey, we found you. Come get in our car. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay. There he is. And the the only Michael that they couldn't see is the one standing directly in the middle of the road. They were in a hurry, Chris. They got tired. <laughs> There's a lot of people in that die in this movie that die off screen. True. They're, they're just found later. <laughs> that kind of does take away from it, too. I wish that there was more Michael, like, actually... Slaying people. See, I'd like to have seen that scene right there where his arm gets cut off. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that. Ex I don't. I haven't seen like the new bonus features and stuff from the 
4Ks or anything that has like the behind the scenes or any extended scenes or anything like that. So I don't know. Maybe that's is that something that was lost footage or did that they not film that to begin with? Um, I can't confirm, but I almost could say that it was meant to not be shown. This one has a very police procedural esque kind of feel to it. So it, I think it's it just feels detective story. It feels very TV ish. It feels like it was made like a made for TV movie. Yeah, I could see that. Like, there's no like, there's no language in it really. There's no nudity. It, it feels very much, and that you know the kills and stuff are kind of even though the kills are very violent and like you know what I mean. Like, but when when you do see them, but there's a lot of stuff that happens off screen to make it feel like it was made for a television for, uh, company. Evil does the night sheriff. See a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the actors kind of like overact in this too. And I think you can also see how short Donald Pleasance actually is standing next to that dude. Yeah. Is he really, sh- is he short? Like I didn't realize he was actually short. You know, I don't know what his actual height is, but he's definitely, I don't think he's tall. Let me look. Donald Pleasance. What should be like six three? Yeah, it's like he's actually seven foot, um, <laughs> five seven. So that's pretty short. So, somebody listening to this is actually offended because they're actually five seven. I think this is the first time that I've noticed that that Michael is hiding in the back of that car, because it when you watch it on like DVD or VHS or TV, it's it, it was too dark. And it didn't show his hand sitting there like that. Yeah, do you feel like you're watching, like, whenever you see these remasters they're doing, it feels like you're almost watching a new experience for the movie because you can see more details that you kind of miss. Sometimes, but uh, sometimes it takes away from it as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think it comes on a nostalgia too. Like, you remember it being one way and that's the way you liked it. And it's just, it feels different. It reminds me of that South Park episode when they're they go hunting and then like there's like little squirrels or whatever and they're like we can't shoot that unless it attacks us. He's like it's headrun force. He shoots it and it doesn't even move. Like I've never said episode that sounds hilarious. <laughs> it's funny. It's like one of the earliest ones. Honestly, I would say they're shooting absolutely nothing at this point. I think that was the one line of dialogue that was language. Oh, Chris, here comes another horror. I never, I never will forget when you and Mike did the commentary for Halloween two. <laughs> when you got to the hot tub scene, I'm sitting there listening to it, and you're just like talking mid sentence, and 
all of a sudden it's just complete silence for like eight seconds. Dude, and then Mike comes back on. And Mike was just like, ah, boobs. And, <laughs> and then you all just continue talking as normal again. It was it was funny. It just gets me every time, even if I expect it. I think as a kid, I was always very disappointed in the scene. Because they like they tease you right here. <laughs> and they well, you want more. And then like the second that they start it, it cuts away. You gotta keep that PG thirteen. Yeah, PG thirteen for this R rated movie. Exactly. Honestly, now we're th- now I'm thinking about this. I haven't really thought about the rating when I watch these movies, but they could have made very subtle changes almost past this for PG thirteen. Like it's not super. Like you're right, it's not super gory it doesn't necessarily have a lot of sexual themes either they could have slightly altered it and it could have been a tv movie they should take your sister upstairs first door on the right dad what's going on they want you to close and lock all downstairs windows. Why? To do it. Radio. Right through the kitchen, you'll see the basement stairs. Radio, you know how to use a gun? Oh, yes, sir. I think this is probably going to be one of the best Halloween films in the franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really nailed down the format, like I mentioned before, and as we're going into the third act, like this is going into the third act, they're kind of planning this whole attack to Michael Myers. And I love the finale. Like this this whole like part here, this whole act, it really kind of builds a lot of tension. It's very interesting. At this point, have they even told anybody else what's going on? They just kind of like show up and it's just like, here, get inside, lock the doors. And everybody's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They need Dr. Loomis just to do some screaming for him. Michael! Yeah, Michael! And there's a guy named Michael, actually, like, just that lives there, and he's like, what? (laughs) Making sure no one can get in here. Just not this little paranoid. Drinking on the job. In that police station. (laughs) For a brief second there, I thought he was pouring himself a drink, and he was like, making sure nobody can get in here. (laughs) Michael Myers. Who's that? Ten years ago, Halloween. He's doing his uncle. <laughs> Jamie's just being a spaz here. Yeah, there's no reason why she should be this upset right now. Like, she hasn't been chased by him yet. Like, Rachel was, but just for a brief second, but that's it. At this point, the only thing that's happened to her is she went trick-or-treating and got lost for a couple seconds, and then the police picked her up and said, here, something bad's happening, and she's, like, freaking out. Yeah. Overdramatic, for sure. I like how his character carries a gun. 
And then when Michael Myers takes the gun from him, he doesn't even use the gun. He uses it as like a knife. He stabs him with it. <laughs> it's like, how do you use this thing? Oh, I know. I do like this guy's character. I think that his his scenes are just very. Maybe I don't like the character as much as the atmosphere his character um goes through because I love these scenes where he kind of like is like wandering around the house and you're wondering what's gonna happen next. Yeah, as I say, I think it's the location that he's in because I'm always interested in in this entire part of the movie to begin with. Everything everything that happens in this house is always really interesting because they have to like Michael chases them up like three flights of stairs and like through up on the roof and. It's very, it's kind of a quick movie because I mean, like I said, we're cruising into the last act here and not a lot of like resolution happens. It kind of just all leads up to this like grand, like we're, you know, he's coming for us. We need to get ready kind of thing. He's heading right for us. <laughs> You've got to watch that South Park episode. It's funny as hell. You have to send that to me for sure. It sounds funny. I'm like squinting. I'm like, I can see something. No, Sheriff, we're all dead. Yeah, exactly. Like, by honestly, surprised that Loomis is so calm during all these scenes because he's usually so outrageous. Yeah, by part five, Michael gets tired of killing off the cops one by one. So in part five, he just takes them all out at once in that one scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's actually another fun piece of trivia that people could use for Halloween trivia. Is like, what's the um, what's the girl shirt say? And cops do it by the book is the answer. Yep. Oh, for a brief second there, I thought she was kissing Grady when he was asleep. I was like, why is she doing that? Finally, that iconic music is starting to kick in. I'm glad they stuck with the the theme music throughout because Halloween 2 is really the only one where it changes tone in the music. And it fits for that movie, and I really like it, but I, I, I like the Halloween theme throughout the whole franchise. Same. It's like something consistent about it. So like when you hear it, you know what you're getting. And John Carpenter, I I just love John Carpenter's music in general. I'm really upset because he went on tour about five, six years ago and I never got to see him because he didn't come in our area at all. 
But um, yeah. his themes are great. Like no matter what music he's doing, he's almost could just like score movies at this point. I think all he wants to do nowadays is play video games. Oh yeah, I saw that article. <laughs> Did you see the Halloween video game that was that came out today on mobile app? I saw where you sent it to me. I didn't actually, I haven't looked it up. I've never played a mobile app horror game like that. It's not what you think. Really? It's like Candy Crush. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's I'm I want to play it. Like I like it so far, just because it's you know it's Halloween, but it's definitely not what you expect. Whenever somebody says there's a Halloween game to download on the app, not over yet. I'm gonna just look it up right now and like the graphics. Because I think it's weird. Your other's house. That's where Jamie lives. That's where you go. Leave Myers for the state police. State police will not have to stop. You? Maybe nobody knows how to stop. I've got to try. Nobody knows how to stop. You know, that's something that's interesting too. Lumberton's accent kills me. I, he has such a weird kind of like way of saying things. That's make it makes his character extremely like fascinating almost. Yeah, because he doesn't really he has an odd accent. It's like he's not British, but he sounds like he's British, but he's not at the same time. I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, and it's just his voice because the um I've heard him talking like other films and stuff, and he does still have that, but I think he kind of puts it on a little bit for this. Don't you mean that you do best? I just like angry. Dr. Loomis. That's, that's, a, that's the one I like the most. He's very grumpy. You don't know what death is! But that's, I don't know why I love quoting him. I just feel like that guy would beat you up. Like, he'd just be walking down the street and remotely resemble Michael, and he would be full on hands thrown. He would be a bad bully, wouldn't he? You'd like be like making fun of him. You'd be like, "What's with the trench coat, doctor?" And he'd be like, "I'll shoot you six times," <laughs> and then he proceeds to shoot you seven. <laughs> and the, my famous last words is like, "Learn how to count, Deputy idiot." <laughs> Deputy Logan, you understand? this part here i feel like um i don't know exactly so i'm not getting all the dialogue here but i it feel like it does i've always felt this way it just goes on just a little bit too long there's a little bit too much prep yeah they get everybody into the house and they have to get everybody out of the house and it's really weird because like jamie's character she falls asleep in the car and then they bring her to the house, and she falls asleep on the couch. And then they put her in the bed, and she falls asleep in the bed. If she was just so, she's also like so tore up and so upset. And they just continue to know that there's a mass killer that just so happens could target all of them, and they just leave everybody alone in places at all times. And I want to know if, like, at midnight on Halloween, does Michael just stop what he's doing and just go back to like hiding out? Till next year it's like um santa claus it's just like he has that one night and then he plans the next yeah 
that'd be a funny concept. Like, gets ready to kill somebody and like gets the knife up, and the clock tower like nearby is like ding ding. He just drops the knife and like walks away. You know, that reminds me of the purge. You know, like how that one scene of the purge, whenever it's about ready to end and they have a couple seconds left, and the alarm goes back off, and they're like, "Crap." <laughs> I've always liked this shot here where it shows like what you think is the sheriff sitting in the chair and then it turns oh. out to be Michael and he's holding the gun. Yeah, if this is the first time you see this movie, I think that it's definitely like one that makes you kind of like jump. There's the iconic music. Again, he's got the gun. He doesn't use it. He stabs her with it. I think it's even more brutal. Just like see him just to like stab you with the gun. It doesn't take him long though, like one or two swings, and he's usually pretty done. That's something that's definitely changed about horror movies is like how brutal the, the kills are. Yeah. And they're not nearly as creative with stuff anymore. Like they always use I don't know, just generic things nowadays, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you know what you're going to get. Like, it's just like stab, 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 stab over and over. Deputy Logan? Deputy? But she didn't see him there a minute ago. God, even his severed head had a double chin. <laughs> I do like the cinematography. I know obviously this is shot on film and that kind of grainy look to it with the um the point of view shots. It's always fun. Anytime you can move your camera around the environment, it always makes it a lot more interesting. Oh yeah, and they say like always like motivate your shots. And that's something they always do in this is they motivate the shots to where it's always it's not just like talking heads. They're usually always moving and doing something. Another key? I don't know. What does that what does that mean? It's metal. What does that mean? <laughs> what is it? There he is, shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been a totally different movie. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny like how he just casually walks. Honestly, I know it's like become like a meme and a joke nowadays, like how slow um, classic villains walk in horror movies. But I really truly do think that Michael Myers takes it to a new level of slowness. Yes. And I think that's what makes him a little more creepy to some people, too, is that no matter how fast you move and how slow he goes, he always catches up to you and he can always find you. Yeah. Oh, that one that hurt. <laughs> he just drops the gun. Like he's like 
for some reason, I thought he stabbed him through the chest with the gun. I was I wasn't mistaken. I like <laughs> I like it takes a second to spit. Yeah, he's like, "Excuse me for a minute." Really, you know, Michael Myers is viewed with a knife a lot, like you know, but he does kill a lot of people with, like his bare hands. Yeah, well, he's already he thumbed somebody earlier. Yeah, put his thumb right through their head. That's and that's crazy. Uh oh, Jamie's on the move again. She'll be asleep the next scene. <laughs> There's that classic knife. Love it. And that's always my favorite weapon for Myers. Like he doesn't use it far enough, but I love the the look of him like carrying that knife. It's just so iconic. That had to have been hard to film with her on her back like that. Yeah, I wonder, are they actually on the house? Like, are they actually on that real house, or is it, like, set? I'm assuming it's a set. But still, like, trying to climb up something with, uh, you know, I mean, how old is Jamie in this movie? She's probably, like, what, 12? No, yeah, no older than that. Yeah, 10, I 11, I think it looks definitely, she was actually, like, 9 or 10 when they filmed it. I swear. Yeah, she could be. Yeah, she could be nine or ten. Yeah, but still, I mean, like my daughter's seven, and I can't like really pick her up. So <laughs> she's going full Yoda here. Turns out Jamie's really choking Rachel, and she can't breathe, and she just <laughs> collapses. <laughs> Michael's possessing her. Oh, here comes Juwan. The set kind of works well for this stuff. That is a set because it's still like stark and you know, there's no background at all, just blackness. Kind yeah. of adds a definition of like fear. <laughs> it looks like the mask doesn't fit in very well. Yeah. I'm gonna lower you down, Jamie. Okay. I've got you. He like puts his finger up like one minute, please. And he takes his mask off and catches his breath and puts it back on. Whoa, I mean, I don't think she's got her. She's like, don't be dead, don't be dead. <laughs> she goes, please come, please come alive. 
Realive yourself, Rachel. How did Michael get down so quick? Teleportation. I like to see the shot of him just jumping off the roof. Tuck and roll. He moves very slow until you're not looking, and then he's quick. Like they the fog a job of, like yeah, I was gonna say that they do a great job of like smoking the place up really nice. And it's kind of weird because it's outside, so it's just like I feel like that would be very intricate to do. Yeah. Honestly, I'm catching this view. I'm kind of catching a lot of like creative cinematography they used. There should have been a shot where like a neighbor or somebody comes outside and they see the little girl and they're like, are you okay? What's going on? And then Michael kills the person. Like that could have been another little shot. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy that no one addresses what's going on outside. You look out your window and see just some strange old man taking a little girl down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, oh, okay, time to move from this neighborhood. He shot the lock six times. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop saying it. I do like the vibe of this scene too with the school. Michael's hair in that shot, I just want to say, looks a lot more blonde than it did. <laughs> I was literally getting ready to say something about the hair. It looked weird. Yeah. I wonder if the light was just shining on it too bright, but it literally looked like a Donald Trump just walks in there and throws him. <laughs> love that shot. Look at that, dude. I love that. If it was like Donald Trump, he'd be like, I did not kill anyone. It was China. <laughs> and then Luma says, Donald! You screwed me six times! <laughs> <laughs> Give me your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Michael just stands around in certain places and just waits for people to find him before he like walks after him. Yeah, and you know, like, honestly, they kind of do more damage to their self running from his slow pace than what they would if they just didn't panic. Because he moves the speed of a like a tortoise. But they like see him and scream and then erratically start running. And then they like trip and they fall and they like do stuff and then eventually they get like injured. To where he could catch up with them and kill them, you know? You know how he has his checklist for, for you know, events that he has to do first, like, you know, throwing somebody through the 
transformers and everything. I wonder if he has a list of stuff he can and can't do. Like <laughs> one that's like, um, you cannot move until someone sees you. Yeah. When you swim, just lay on your back and hope for the best. But I'm sorry to say, if you have an angry mob of 15, 20 people looking for Myers plus his police department, and you still can't figure out what's going on, that's pretty bad. This scene coming up right here always reminded me of Ernest Scared Stupid. I know that Ernest Scared Stupid came out later, but there's a scene just like this in Ernest Scared Stupid where the trolls on the back of the truck and like mm-hmm. he fights off Ernest. It's like the That's exact a movie same I've thing. I've never seen that I always have had on my list, but never. I mean, I have a copy of it. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the greatest Halloween movies like ever made, especially yeah, if you is- like the character. Of- if you like the character of Ernest, then you would yeah. love Ernest Scared Stupid. I know it has its cult following. Like people love it. I love it. I literally just passed like the Haddonfield sign and turned the corner and they said, Are you guys coming out of Haddonfield? I was like, Where else were yeah. we came from? So, like, was Michael just, like, dangling from the back of the car the entire time? Yeah, he's very athletic. <laughs> like, he literally has to pull himself up from outside the back of the of the truck. Like, I'll give him credit, though. That was a really, really dangerous shot they just did there with, like, actual, like, both of those were like, I'm pretty sure both of those were actual stunt people. Well, yeah, and when they were doing like stunts um, at this time, a lot of times they actually, you know, they had to do it. They couldn't really rely on CGI or like markups to where they could at least fake it a little bit. So they were, I mean, stunt, um, stunt doubles back in the 70s, 80s, even 90s had a very dangerous job. I mean, they still have a dangerous job today, but especially then. I remember this in this this that was kind of like cracks me up a little bit. We getting thrown from side to side. 
Like, yeah, that was a that's a really dangerous stunt. That's, I mean, it's it's cool. It made it for a cool shot. Hello. <laughs> What if he just wants a ride? <laughs> He's like, I just want to give you back your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> Die. That's supposed to be a reference. like he's like saying, yes, hit me. I just want to know how they got in part five, how they were like, oh, he fell down the he fell down this hole in the cemetery. Underneath it is a well that leads to the local river that like. Oh, yeah, I mean, your guess is good as mine, too. I, I wonder about that all the time. And what is it with is it the Halloween series that started this where it was like if the killer was down and you if he was considered dead or whatever, but you you just touching him, he comes back to life? Are you all right? Oh yeah. Are you all right? And this happens if you remember, very commonly. Yeah, in part two, if you remember, when he's in the hospital after he like breaks the window and like gets shot, he's laying there and then like the sheriff walks over to him and is like checking him out and Do- uh, Dr. Loomis is like, Don't touch him. And then, like, the second he touches him, he comes alive and kills him. If I was going to psychoanalyze that, it's just like, does that give him a regeneration of power when you touch him? And in these last moments of the, the film is, I, I really do like this a lot. So many uses of a mix of, like, slow motion and action shots and people, they have, like, a firing squad in this, like, very dark cemetery-esque forest and it's just so interesting to see and fun really we don't see Dr. Loomis anymore do we he got thrown through the window at the school and that was it wasn't it yeah, I don't think we see him again in this. Or he, did he, oh, there he is. Never mind. So, yes. Michael Myers is in hell. There it is. Where he belongs. His kids are in hell. They've survived this ordeal. They'll survive its memory. I'm going to take Jamie upstairs. Stay with Rachel. Come on, honey. Now, there is a deleted scene from this movie where it shows her kill the mom, right? Or is that in the, this movie? I mean, I knew the last shot. Um, I don't think... Does it show that in this? I don't think it... Maybe it does. I can't remember exactly where it cuts at the end, but I think it might.
I think there's a deleted scene that shows her kill her when they they didn't use it or something. I can't remember. I'm think maybe I'm mistaken it with something else. Yeah, I think yeah, okay, so it cuts away. I think there's a deleted scene that shows the actual death scene. Well it actually shows the scene. No, no. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been cool though to have seen um Jamie just like basically become the shape and like from now on? I think that's where they were going with with this movie. It kind of I mean it seems that way for sure. I mean it's it's right there. I mean it's kind of just it tells you that's where they're gonna go. But it, I mean like it the does. evil passed it is passed itself over. Yeah, kind of like what they did in Halloween Kills or Halloween Ends. Sorry. Yeah. And that's it. Um, Donald Pleasance, Ellie Cornell. I kept thinking of who that was. I remember I've seen her at a couple conventions and I could not remember her the actress's name. Ellie Cornell as Rachel. Yeah, George P. Wilmer as Michael Myers. It's always so confusing, like who even plays Michael Myers in each of these because they've had so many like people kind of chip in. Yeah, like I can remember the names. Like if you were to say, Hey, do you know who George P. Wilbur is? I'd be like, Yeah, that's the guy that played Michael Myers in Halloween four. But if you said who played Michael Myers in Halloween four, I cannot remember his name whatsoever. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing about this, I love the introduction of like Jamie's character and what they're trying to do with it. I feel like it fell short at the end though. Like I think it has I think it's a great ending, but I do feel like they need to have a little bit more connectors between the two. You know what I mean? Like what's driving her generally. But overall, I mean, like it's still it gets the point across at least. Like I, I still feel like I understand the point and it's not like cheaply done or anything. So it's still successful, but I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. But didn't you get the feeling want... of like October? Like it felt very October. Yes. And I just want to point it out real quick. There's a, uh, the property master for this movie was named Bucky as his nickname. So he got a credit in the movie and also a character named after him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this one, I think it was a, a great return to what they wanted from the franchise. And if I remember right, this one made a killing at the box office that this one just like overproduced what they even expected. And they knew exactly what they wanted. They knew what needed to be done, and they they nailed it. I believe. I mean, it's kind of it's hard for a film to kind of just come back after uh, you know nearly ten years of being on the screen, and I mean, I think they did the best they possibly could do, bringing it back so long after they introduced characters in a way that still connects directly to Michael Myers. You know what I mean? So they didn't try to like leave that story of Michael Myers. He's still there, but they add to it. And that's what you want in a sequel, really. So I think that this one encapsulates a perfect like formula of what Halloween is. You know what I mean? I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of uh, Michael Myers like killings instead of just like allusions to that. But I mean, besides that, there's really not much to complain about. It's still a lot of fun. Read the Critics' Choice paperback. Is that for the novelization of the movie? Yeah. Um, I think they have a novelization for nearly all of them. They may have one for, for all of them. 
But I think they're kind of hard to find. Let me look and see if they're, you could buy them online still. Yeah, I, I actually, it's kind of interesting because I love collecting horror paperbacks. I've kind of slowed down, but I still have like a, a huge selection of them. And you would never believe how hard it is to find some of these um, novelizations of horror movies. Um, and Halloween's no exception. It looks like they're going for like 150 bucks. So if you find a, this is kind of a tip for Fright Fights listeners. If you find like a horror paperback novel that has been adapted from a television show or a movie, and it looks like it's from like the 80s, 90s area, I would pick it up if it's only a couple bucks. For sure. Oh well, that's uh, that's how oh, I, I, I looked. I was like, "Is Chris?" It's it's kind of funny because like we're we're both in like dark rooms while I watch this, and I was like, "Is Chris like here? Is he fucking with me? Like, is is he gonna like put a mask on? Is he looking at me right now?" And no, then you I got up because and I. Was I, like, I Shit. I took the movie out of the Blu-ray player because it kept doing like the Halloween movie or music like over and over again. Oh yeah. And uh, I didn't want it to bother us talking on here at the end of it, but uh, that's asleep. Halloween four. Try to fall asleep without playing constantly. I have I'm a question for you, Tyler. Yeah. And uh, so, and maybe some of the listeners can answer this as well. I have the Blu-ray box set of the Halloween franchise, like the 15 disc set. The, the expensive limited one and I'm watching Halloween four here and I got the Blu-ray of it out and the special features on the back of it says an audio commentary with actor Ellie Cornell and Daniel Harris audio commentary with specter with director Dwight Little and author Justin Bean and theatrical trailer. Now, when I put this disc in the only special feature available was the theatrical trailer is the audio commentaries on a different disc like a, a second disc or something in the box set. Yeah. Um, now, some of the audio commentaries, if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a while, but I think some of the audio commentaries are actually on the disc with them. But there's actually a bonus disc um, that should be in there. It's tucked away. It, and people actually kind of get mad at Scream Factory for this. Um, because instead of making like its own little Blu-ray case for bonus features, or maybe just putting two discs in each of the like little slips, they actually tucked it away in Halloween 2, um, Rob Zombies. So if you open up your um, Rob Zombie Halloween 2, there's a bonus disc that has about, I think it was like seven or eight hours of the bonus features. So I'm but guessing... wouldn't you put those listings on the back of that DVD instead, or a Blu-ray instead of the this one like i open this up and i expect there to be a audio commentary in this set and there's not it's yeah not that is kind of weird because i think that maybe some of them did have the commentary on the actual disc and again i think it, it could be down to where shout factory it was their first really like big big box set and they were still kind of figuring it out so there are some inconsistencies with you know is it on this disc is it that disc and apparently there was an audio issue remember that for halloween 4 yeah, there's like a little Which, like little things, but that's a great set to to have for sure. Yeah, it's, I would say uh, pick up, but it's unavailable. I think Halloween Four is one of the best in the franchise. I mean, I like it's not my favorite, but um, but I do like it. 
and I think it's one of the best, but not the best. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's it's not my favorite either, but it's I'm right there with you. It's up there. Like it's here he comes. Here he comes. Here comes Michael. Honestly, it's kind of terrifying, Chris. <laughs> just because of the, the dark room and the white light, it reminds me just like what we had just watched. Which mask is that? So uh this is gonna be one of those really, really cheap. I think it might be from maybe Rob Zombie's Halloween, but it's like one of those online things where you get them like really, really cheap for like a, a, a deal or something like that. Like they give you $5 to spend and then you get 10 items for free for spending $5. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's not horrible. I basically got it because it was so cheap and I just wanted it on like a display. So. Yeah. Well, nice. I, I mean, I'm glad that we watched this. It's one that I've always loved. And the fifth movie follows a very similar kind of aesthetic, but it doesn't hit like the fourth one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the fourth one was the the way to go. And I wish that they would have continued making movies this simple and this, this, this good, you know? Because they go on with part five being a little bit of a different storyline with Jamie not being able to speak the first half of the movie and the the overall like it kind of starts off with the the thorn era with with michael being controlled by somebody else and then halloween six going in the same direction and it just seems like the more complicated the story's got the worse the movie's got yeah they try to do too much try to get too far in with it yeah which i mean i i kind of appreciate that's kind of like what um david gordon green's um remake of halloween was trying to do kind of go back to the roots and say hey you know, if, if 40 years later, if nothing, none of that's ever happened in between, let's strip it back and just show, you know, what Laurie Strode and him would be doing. You know what I mean? So I do respect it for that. But again, Halloween four hits. <laughs> it's just the one. Yeah. So what does everybody think about Halloween four? So if you're listening to this, definitely let us know on the Facebook page, you know, like and follow our Facebook page. It's uh, Fright Fights Pod. And uh, make a post on there or send us a message and let us know and or, or in the comments of the actual post uh, here for this commentary. Um, you can follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, also, there if you are on the, the app Slasher, you can find us on Slasher as well, Fright Fights Podcast. Um, and yeah, just let us know. Send us a message if you have any questions or anything. Uh, or if you just want to tell us how awesome you think Halloween 4 is, we will talk about it on the podcast. We'll read your comment or your remark on the podcast. For sure. And I had a great time. I mean, it's 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 a blast through commentaries. And we'll be back with our regular show here. Hopefully within the next, you know, two weeks or so, we'll have another episode out. And we have some really cool stuff coming up. So I think that um, you definitely want to keep an eye out for that. Yep. So thank you guys for listening to us and hope you enjoyed this commentary, us talking about Halloween stuff while watching Halloween 4. Happy Halloween, guys. Ooh.